This week, we're excited to share with you, our beloved audience, a webinar we were invited on. So we were invited on the Path to Purpose webinar, which was hosted by Coilette James. And another guest was invited. Her name is Crystal Davis, also known as The Lean Coach. And she just so happens to be a John Maxwell certified coach, just as we are. If you've been wondering how to find your purpose, you're not sure where to begin, this is a great webinar for you to start your journey. It's going to talk to you about our, our story, um, the journey that we were on to find our purpose. It's going to give you so many insights. Uh, Coyla James uh, did a wonderful presentation, shared her story, and um, Crystal as well uh, talked about servant leadership and how important that is and how all of that ties in together on your path to purpose. So enjoy this webinar. I know you'll be blessed and don't forget to share it. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Okay. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Path to Purpose webinar. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited about what is going to take place today because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you guys all will be very blessed. Um, I have been really, my life has been enhanced to meet some phenomenal people and to be able to share them with you all is a blessing for me. So um, I want you to meet Elizabeth and Sebastian Richards, who will be sharing from an entrepreneurial perspective, um, and Crystal Davis, who will be sharing from a leadership perspective. So I know your lives, like I said, will be very, very enhanced. I wanted to kick it off just with some foundational um, things dealing with purpose. So I'm going to share my screen. I have um, a little PowerPoint that I want to go over with you, and then um, I am going to release it to um, Sebastian and Elizabeth, and then they will be followed up by Crystal. So let me get this going. Okay. Um, can you guys see my screen? Absolutely, yes. yes. Okay. Well, we're good to go, then. <laughs> 
We're good to go. So again, as I said, welcome to the Path to Purpose um, webinar. What I really want to focus on in my session is that it is time for you to walk in your purpose on purpose, which means that I want you to be deliberate in going forth in the things that you have been called to do. And in order to do that, okay, in order to do that, we have to really understand what purpose is all about. Um, purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Now, I first got introduced to really thinking about purpose many years ago by someone that I considered a spiritual mentor, even though I never met him, but I read the majority of his books, and that was Dr. Miles Monroe. So I want to give you a couple of quotes from Dr. Monroe to help solidify within you why it is so important to understand your purpose. And one of the first things we want to talk about is the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but a life without a purpose. When we do not embrace the purpose for which we were created or even start to think about that, then we just kind of exist in life. We're not fulfilling that which was in the mind of the creator when he created us. Um, Dr. Miles also said that when the purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And I'm a living witness to that. Early on in my life, before I really started walking with the Lord, my life was abused by myself. I did not understand really where I felt fit in life and what my purpose was. So I just went about existing, which caused me to have children um, very, very young as a teenager. It caused me in my early 20s to embark upon a drug um, addiction life and then just to, to really have to back up at 30 and kind of examining what in the world am I doing? What is my life adding up to? And that took me into that, that um, searching out for my purpose. Why was I here? I knew that I was more than just my children's mother. I knew that I was more than just a doormat for people to walk on. I knew that I was more than just somebody just to um, drift and go through from place to place and not really understand where I fit. So as I did that and as I gave my life to the Lord, like I said, that is when I encountered Dr. Monroe and realized that I literally had purpose and I wanted to live in that purpose on purpose. So having a purpose makes it impossible to merely exist. When you have a reason for living, your passions and your talents will drive you toward a happy, fulfilling destination. It will take you into a whole nother realm of living and how you present yourself to others. And it will also give you a reason for waking up in the morning. When we don't understand our purpose, most of the time we just um, live a life where it does not matter if we're alive or not. That's what so many people encounter in going through life. They don't understand that they're not a mistake, that they have value. They are not an accident. They were created to fulfill the purpose. And to know that, you have to understand that when you were created, which was not just when your mother and father came together, but it was when you were thought of in the mind of God, you had a purpose to fulfill. Someone he knew going down the line of eternity, he 
he absolutely knew that somebody was going to have a need, many people actually, because you're not just called for one person, but many people would have a need and he put the answers to those people's needs within you. And so you need to tap into that. You need to understand and recognize that you're not invisible. A lot of people go through life and they shy away from things because they feel like nobody can see them or they do things to bring attention to themselves because they feel like they're not recognized. So many of us have been rejected in different forms, rejected in relationships, rejected um, on the job, rejected when we go after promotions, rejected in so many different areas that we tend to shy away back up and think that nobody sees us. I am a firm believer that if you were to be able to research the deep recesses of the minds of some of these serial killers, your arsonists, different people, they did things to bring attention to themselves because they felt that they were invisible and nobody saw them. Even with some of the people that you see that have piercings all over their bodies or their tatted up everywhere. They want to be recognized. They want to be seen. And that's because they haven't tapped into the purpose for which they were created. If they tapped into the purpose, then they would understand you're not, you're not invisible. You have value. You have worth. And it's not at the hands of doing harm to somebody else or trying to stand out in a crowd that that purpose is fulfilled. It will come natural that people will gravitate to you and be drawn to you. So dealing with this in the purpose-driven life, and I know we all heard and read, well, we met, some of us probably have read the book, The Purpose-Driven purpose Life. There are some stages that we go through and we have to recognize what's within ourselves. Some of us were created to lead, and Crystal will talk in depth about leadership. Others of us were created to facilitate. They were, we are created to align ourselves with someone else and help them fulfill the reason that they were created. That's part of our purpose. Even as a woman, the Word of God tells us that we are the helpmate to our, our husbands. That is that we are to align ourselves with them to help them fulfill what God created them for. And likewise, they help us as well. But most importantly, we have to understand that we all have value. We all have value. And for any of you that are on the line today or that will see the replay of this, that you've not connected with your creator in a way of consulting him to say, why am I here? Then you're missing the big picture. There is a reason why you are in existence right now today. Think about eternity. Eternity is, is eternity. It is such a huge span of time. But God said right here, right now, right today, he wanted you in this earth realm because you have purpose. You have something to do, something to fulfill. So it's important to recognize that and embrace that. And then once we embrace our destiny, then we have to be diligent in going forth in our purpose on purpose. We have to be diligent. If you're called to the marketplace, then it is not just about 
owning a business, it's about fulfilling the purpose that you were created for in the marketplace. If you were called to the arts, you have a purpose in the arts. You have a purpose to deliver what God has gifted you with and the talents within inside of you. If you're called to the political arena, there's a purpose for you to be there. So what I'm saying is no matter where you are in life, no matter what your calling is, there is purpose in it. And what we want to do today is to help you uncover and recognize and enhance even greater the purpose for which you have been created. So that's my feel. I just kind of wanted to give some, some, um, just some foundational things for you to think about as we go forth and, and you listen to what Elizabeth and Sebastian have to say and what Crystal has to say. So I am now going to turn it over to Elizabeth and Sebastian, and I am making them the host now. So maybe um, now you will be able to see us or see yourselves or what have you. But anyway, it is all yours. Perfect. So um, I think it's so powerful what you said. And, you know, I think that um, God oftentimes calls us to our purpose in different um, step, like different stages in our lives. But I think that it sometimes we're kind of stubborn and we don't want to see. Um, we don't want to take that journey because we're kind of scared because we're in our comfort zones of where we're at. And, um, and so for us, the story begins. I'll talk a bit about our, our, our story and he's going to continue after because he has a powerful notes that he wants to share with you. So um, for us, it all started when we were married a couple of years back in Quebec and we were both working for the government. And we were doing crazy shifts. Sebastian and I never had the same shift. So um, there was always one of us working while the other one was at home, that kind of thing. Um, we had our son. He was three years old at the time. And I had just given birth to Marissa, our mid middle child now. But anyhow, at that time, she was the youngest. And um, so we never had like one day in the weekend where we were both not working. I worked weekends. He worked during the week. We had crazy shifts. He'd finish at midnight. Everything was just totally off to have a family, basically. But we did it because, you know, the job paid well. And uh, like most people get sucked in, you know, to the pension and to the, the, the golden handcuffs. The golden handcuffs, there you go, yeah. <laughs> and so um, we, you know, said to ourselves, well, we have to, like, keep this job. We've been doing this for over 10 years. So how can we get out of this? And uh, we're both, we were, we we've always been believers and we knew this much. All we knew is that God had something more for us, that it didn't make sense for us to try to be living the family life and to raise our kids in a godly way when we don't have any quality time as a family. And um, th that just didn't make sense to us. And I had a deep desire to raise our kids at home, to take care of the kids at home. Um, and so we started praying. That's when it's, everything started the, the small steps to the journey of purpose began. So we started praying and asking God for a quieter life that we couldn't, you know, do one hour and a half of traffic to get to somewhere and one hour and a half to get back home. And that um, just, we were just unhappy doing our jobs. You know, when you feel like you're doing something that's completely unrelated to your purpose, like me and him, we're witnessing to people at work all the time. And like, trying to inspire people like we were coaches in the making and we didn't even know it in this you know 
steel tap boots environment, you know, uh, basically a place looked like a, an industrial warehouse. And it was just like, you know, me and him were, we, like I studied at Bible college and, and he was always in, in God's word. And we were, you know, learning so much of God's word. And we're like, sometimes you have these, you know, reality checks of your life. You're like, why am I here? You know, like there's gotta be more to my life than, you know, pushing cages and, you know, making sure people have their mail and that kind yeah, of thing. And when she says pushing cages, it's because the, the, the mail was contained in big, huge cages that, that had all these parcels in it. And yeah, we used jacks and to lift those. So it was so a very warehouse environment, blue collar warehouse. Job. Yeah. So anyhow, so we start praying and Sebastian says, well, I'm going to apply to get a job transfer so that I can be a mail carrier. I'll be on a day shift and you can stay home, take care of the kids. We're going to try to, uh, figure out somewhere where we can live that the cost of living, hopefully the mortgages, all that are less expensive. So we start praying about it. And uh, so he applies to a couple of places, about 10 places on his list. And uh, time goes by and we're like, you know, the reality of it is uh, you can get a job transfer in 10 years. Like you don't know when they're gonna, it all depends on the demand when the opening happens. And so at one point we're really, really exhausted and we just can't do this anymore. And we start kneeling on our, our beds and we start praying and asking God to intervene, to do something soon, because we just want to be together as a family and we just are miserable. Uh, he was miserable doing that job as well. And the evenings finished very late. So um, we, we, were, we were in a hurry to put our family life back on track yeah. and our finances back on track. So, but we were, we were involved in God, but we were a lot of the steps we were doing were in the natural, hoping that it would fix a spiritual problem. You keep going. Exactly. So he goes off to work. Then the mailman rings the doorbell 15 minutes later after we knelt down and prayed and says, here's your, your mail. And I look, it's the Sebastian's job transfer to go to Prince Edward Island. So I scream and I'm happy and I call him up and I tell him, Hey, we got a job transfer. And the way it works is that you have to be like gone in like two weeks. So we had to sell our house as fast as we could. Um, anyway, I managed to, to work things around um, because I had just given birth to baby. I had a little longer of a leave. So anyway, we so she, she used some of her leaves and gave it to me so we could have some weeks off to spin this around and do the big move to Prince so Edward So we tell our families that we're going to move to Prince Edward Island and from Quebec, that's 12 hours away. Okay, so it's a big move. Our families are upset. They're not happy with this. And we're like, I don't know why. I just know that God has something better for us. I don't, I don't know what that's like. We were just, wherever God, wherever you open the door, we're going. We just know we have to trust you because our families don't understand, but we just can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. So we, we moved two kids, a dog, in a, uh, <laughs> a bed out of shape minivan, drive 12 hours uh, to Prince Edward Island, pull off this huge move, and we end up in this, um, this home. Uh, <laughs> we had, we had house. three houses to choose from in the middle of January. So we end up in this old house in the countryside, really far from Charlottetown, from the main city, about. 35 minutes away and so we do this commuting we do this thing you know for a while and and then a few months later we realized hey you know what financially this is not working out um we the mortgages are less expensive but everything is so expensive because you live on a private island and we, 
we have no idea that everything, like the food, the electricity, everything is coming from other provinces, so we're paying a lot more. So the inflation, everything is a lot higher, the taxes, everything. So we ended up saying, okay, we made this big mistake. Like we started, you know, at that time, because time passed by, we started thinking, God, this, this is, maybe we read you wrong. Like maybe we didn't really understand what you were trying to say. Maybe we made this decision and it wasn't of you. Like we started doubting everything. So we put up our house for sale and we say, okay, we're gonna go back to Quebec. All our families want us to come back anyway. So we apply for another job transfer, sell our house. We're, um, so we've sold our house. In two weeks. In two weeks. In a place where the house was supposed to sell in six months or more because it was a, a, a location, location, location in real estate is so important. And our real estate agent told us, look, don't, don't have any illusions. It's going to take time to sell. Even if the house is well-maintained. She was talking a year. It's not going to be easy. Two weeks later, the house is sold. So we're sure God's in on this. We're like, oh, we're going back to Quebec. He's opening the door. And as soon as the house is sold, three days later, you got a phone call. It's Canada Post. They're telling me I obtained a transfer back to Quebec. So we're like, okay, God's opening the doors one after another. We're going back. This is obviously from him. And... <laughs> yeah, so the night before, we're supposed to leave for um, New Brunswick because we're supposed to go to New Brunswick and then to Quebec. We're supposed to meet with a real estate agent to buy a house in Quebec where he's going to be transferred. I have this like nightmare and it's like God's telling me I'm not supposed to go to Quebec. And I'm like, wake up in a sweat. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, I tell Sebastian about it and he's like, well, maybe it's just a nightmare. She actually screamed. She uttered the words. I don't want to go to Quebec. She <laughs> screamed when she woke up. It woke me up. Yeah, so um, I just had like a bad nightmare and I didn't understand what was going on. I just knew I, I said I have a bad feeling about this. So anyway, we take, we, we are just going with the motions. We get in the minivan, take the kids, everything. I'm six months pregnant. We're our third child. And uh, all we know is that our house is, house is sold and we need a new place to live. So we're on the road, we're about, um, about, two, about an hour and a half on the road in New Brunswick and the phone rings. I tell Sebastian to pull up on the side of the road and I pick up the phone and it's the secretary of Post Canada, the, the corporation. And she said, there's been a, a very bad mistake, a clerical mistake, I'm so sorry. Uh, your husband does not have his job transfer. Uh, they made a mistake, they thought it was supposed to be for, for him and it's not for him. And I said, is there anything you can do? Come on, you've got to have another position. Like there's tons of positions open in Quebec. You have to give him something because we don't have a house and I explained her the situation. And she said, I'm really, really sorry. There's nothing that we can do. So we're like, okay, God, what is going on? So we go, we go back home and we're praying and asking God you know, to guide us. And at this point we're like, okay, God shut the door. So we're supposed to be here in Prince Edward Island, obviously. So we're not going to reapply for anything else. So turn of events, make a long story short, our family um, helps us out and we end up having, uh, re rebuying a, a new house because I want to, um, you know, have birth in a, in a home. I don't want to like rent yeah. something. She was in nesting mode because she was pregnant at the time with our third child. And we had a lot of stuff and we just couldn't like do an apartment. So we had to to you know install ourselves somewhere so we end up uh, living in a, a another house which is closer to town so that's 
um, that's a good thing. He's telling me to wrap it up. So because the, the story is so long. Fifteen minutes. Yeah, the story is so long. But anyway, so we ended up um, in a new house closer to town, and um, so basically now we've got more debt because we had to make this move happen, and we're asking God at this point. We're like, okay, you you still want us on this island? So our you know our purpose journey started the right way. We shouldn't have doubted you. We shouldn't have made our own moves to try to come back to Quebec because that's not where you wanted us. But basically we weren't asking the right things. And Sebastian says to me, you know, we come from this Baptist mentality where uh, you don't talk about money, money's wrong, money's evil. You don't ask God for money, right? Because money's the root of all evil, love of money. Actually, we knew, I knew it was the love of money, but I still have that in my head that, uh, you know, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, yeah. and all these things are, they stay with you. And especially in, in the background we had, it was almost glorified poverty. I mean, the more, like if, if you were uh, f living really frugally and, 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 and in almost in, in voluntary poverty. You were uh, godly. You were more godly. So, so the background, you, you need to understand where we came from. For us to, to fall to our knees and ask God for money, it really took a big uh, leap of faith. A big leap. Yeah, it was something huge for us. So that, that's what we did at the point. Uh, we were at that that point where I, this is not working out. This whole ordeal, well, ordeal, this whole situation of our big move, it's not working out. We need to ask God for direction and we need, we need rescue. I mean, financially, we were in bad shape. So we fall to our knees and I pray, I dare pray, Lord, help us to acquire money to clear our debts to get to get into a position where we're going to have more than enough your word says in many instances that we're not supposed to struggle that way that if we seek the kingdom above all things all of our needs will be met and on and on and so all these verses are in my head and i'm, I'm conflicted because my life doesn't it doesn't jive with what i read in god's word so we dare ask god for money or for understanding of money that's going to bring us out of this situation and like she said, make a long story short, after that prayer, the whole thing started unraveling for us. And when I say the whole thing, I mean the whole understanding of how the kingdom of God operates, which was something, although we had, I've been saved since I was nine years old, she was saved at what, what age it is? Seven. Seven years old. Uh, because of religious thinking, we didn't understand how to tap into kingdom abundance and kingdom abundance starts with your thinking. Anyway. So we fall on our knees. Let, maybe in the next week, I, I'm at a bookstore. I go in an aisle I never go to, which is business and finances. I never go there. I'm always in the Christian aisle or, or, or personal development. But this time I was in, in the business aisle and a book calls to me. And, and when I say calls to me, it was like pulling me. And I knew this was of God. And, and I grabbed the book and it so happens that it's the book, Think and Grow Rich. And uh, I know it's not, it wasn't written by a Christian, but God used it as a tool to start schooling me in how to to how His kingdom operates from a mindset perspective to attract wealth to your life, to get out of debt, to get out of problems, to to apply to find your purpose, to apply it so that that uh, you bless people in the process and that they want to they want your services and all that. So basically. Uh, he starts schooling me in entrepreneurship. So, uh, so obviously, I share this with Elizabeth. We always share everything we, we find and, and we 
especially when we get excited. And I told Liz when I came back from the bookstore, God made me buy that book and I know it's going to be huge. And it was huge, but it was just a stepping stone to so much more after that. Uh, after that, uh, I, I ended up founding Thriving on Purpose, our, our company, our coaching company. Initially, it started, I wanted to be the next John Maxwell. That didn't work out too good. <laughs> but I wanted basically to be the help corporate people. Uh, I tried that at first, and I kept telling Liz, I said, this is not for me. I'm, I, I, just, I just blurred out the Bible. I want to quote verses. I want to talk about God. I can't hold it in. I just can't do this thing without putting God to the forefront. So I knew I wasn't going to be the next John Maxwell at, at that time. So I shifted our business from a secular business to making it a faith-based business. And I just want to add yeah. this. Uh, it's really funny to me because there's people like Darren Hardy and everybody online that are saying, you know, you want the answers to your purpose. They're all secular teachers. They don't know about God. And most of the time they end up saying, you know, you don't really need to know your purpose. Just find out what you're passionate about yeah. because they don't understand the spiritual components that go with that and how you can only find your purpose with God. Yeah, and oftentimes God did, yeah. the money thing is an issue to find your purpose as well because God uses both to, to work your purpose in. So he's going to talk about that. Yeah, like, well, like the quote uh, Colette used earlier from Miles Monroe, it's a God thing. You got to go to the maker to know what you were made for. And uh, I loved how, how Miles Monroe, and, and I too was greatly influenced by Miles Monroe. First, I met I met up with John Maxwell. That that sharpened my leadership. But then I then I met Miles Monroe, and then I entered the kingdom, and it completely changed my life. And, and uh, so now I want to just give you a little uh, a little bit of uh, illustrations and, and points I wanted to make. And uh, I want to read a passage that we all know and love. It's in Matthew. Uh, chapter 13, verses 44 to 46, uh, where Jesus is giving a comparison to what the kingdom of God is like. So he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he sold all that he had and he bought that field. And then Jesus goes on, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls what value he went away and sold everything he had and he bought that pearl and uh obviously when i entered the kingdom theology and understanding how the kingdom of god operates i knew i couldn't bring the results that i was looking for in the using natural means in other words you can never run fast enough make enough put up enough hours in the natural to have the results that only the kingdom of God can bring to your life, okay? So the kingdom of God will multiply your efforts, and we know this now, 30-fold, uh, 60-fold, 100-fold, Jesus told us. So it's through the kingdom that we can get those results. And uh, I dove in deep. When I met, met up with Miles Monroe, again, a guy I've never met, just like Coilette, uh, it opened up a whole new understanding of the scriptures for me. I dove deep and I loved it. And I began teaching it for Thriving on Purpose. We did this series called uh, 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 God's, God's Kingdom Purpose for Man. Uh, and I, I taught that in, my, in, uh, in our uh, podcast over a few uh, episodes. And while I was teaching it, I was still learning it. You know, the saying goes, we always teach best what we need to, what we need to learn the most. Well, that was my situation. Uh, 
but there were still things that I hadn't unlocked in my own life. And I was kind of in a crisis mode, uh, having a hard time spiritually. Uh, and I was like, I want to teach this because it changed my life, but I still hadn't experienced enough of it to, uh, how can I put this? I, I was in a crisis mode. I felt like I want to teach it. It's changing my life, but I still need to experience more of it. Anyway, one night I have this dream and it's a God dream, a, a dream that God got me to have. I'm walking in a field and I find a treasure in a field. Sounds familiar? Probably. The treasure pops out of the ground, opens up. It's a, it's a chest. There's a huge light that comes out of the chest. And when the light comes out, I don't see anything. I don't see anything inside the chest, but I hear the voice of the Lord. And it's a question. And the Lord asks me, are you all in? Are you all in? And it's associated with, of course, what I just read to you, the treasure in the field. And we understand from the parable of the treasure in the field that the man sold everything he had for that treasure in the field to get it for himself. So then I know, okay, I'm still not all in and God is requiring more. But I thought at the time, I told my wife, I said, what does he want from me? Does he want my soul or something? <laughs> I mean, I thought I was doing the all-in thing, but I still needed to learn even how to be even more in. So that the, the Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 thing, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all of these things shall be given to you. I still needed to understand even more. So anyway, throughout this presentation, I just want you to keep in mind that the kingdom of God, as mentioned in Luke, is within you. That's where it begins. It's within you. Okay, and it unfolds from the inside out. Remember when Jesus compared the kingdom to uh, the mustard seed? Well, the mustard seed, when you plant it, everything unfolds from within that tiny, tiny seed. Everything unfolds from inside of that, and then it grows out and grows out, grows out of the, the ground, and it becomes that huge uh, tree-like plant, right? So we need to keep that in mind. So your purpose, once you find it, it's very linked to that parable of the treasure in the field okay and you need to unlock it and jesus said in matthew chapter 16 verse 19 he says he says to the apostles it says to peter i'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and he uses the term keys so there's more than one key that unlocks right the the, the treasure the treasure of the kingdom of heaven and I believe that one of those keys, one of those keys, is actually getting a revelation from God, like Elizabeth mentioned earlier. It's a, it's a revelation of what he made you to be on this earth at this time. So there's a purpose that only you can accomplish, and that will be a God thing. It's going to come through a revelation of God, okay? So like I said, there's more than one key. And, and, and the key that can reveal, that can really open up the kingdom for you, is one of those keys is finding your path to purpose, okay? Your kingdom assignment that God has for you. So I'm going to give another illustration. At our house, sometimes we like to do treasure hunts with the kids. I don't know if you guys have kids. Uh, I know Coilette has kids. Uh, but, you know, we do all kinds of things with our kids. One of the things I like to do is a treasure hunt. And I think that our lives are very much on our path. When we're on a path to purpose, God uses very much that same principle we do with our kids when we do a treasure hunt. Jesus said, seek 
and you shall find. Well, when you're on a path to purpose, you're kind of like on that treasure hunt. God will give you a revelation of what you're supposed to do, okay? But he doesn't give you the whole picture, the whole destination, and the perfect vision of what it's going to be like when you get there. You have, you have like a, a guided system. God shows you where, where, where to go, how to head into it. You know, you know what you're supposed to do, but you're basically more of on a step-by-step -step basis. God keeps us on a step-by-step -step basis. And that's very important because he wants to keep us in that daily relationship and dependence upon him for him to reveal what our next step will be. And that comes through the Holy Spirit, okay? And uh, Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, and we're familiar again with that verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the title again of this webinar is The Path to Purpose. Well, if you need a lamp, it's because you're kind of in the dark, right? Uh, so if, if his word is a lamp unto your feet and, and a light unto your path, it's because it's not fully lighted. So you're getting those step-by-step -step lights on your path, basically, to know, okay, I made that one step. What's the next step, Lord? So you're in a de dependence on him to go from one step to the next. So it doesn't say that the verse doesn't say, thy word makes me see far into the horizon where the path leads. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> so if he told us right away what our purpose is, we would stop depending on him daily. And God knows that. He knows human nature. So there's three things that, that uh, would fail to happen if he just came out and told us, Here's your, the full revelation of your purpose and where you're supposed to end up in the end. And here's what I'm bringing you in. If he gave us, if he sent an angel in our, in our room showing us everything that's going to happen in the next few years and a timeline and everything, we wouldn't depend on him daily. So what happens if we don't depend on him daily? Well, he wouldn't get glorified daily through that. And what I mean by that is in our daily relationship and by, by being dependent on God for each step we take, that steady flow of keeping God, keeping that connection with God in our lives, it ultimately blesses us, okay? It keeps us in a relationship with him, but it ultimately glorifies him. Because guess what? It brings in a steady flow of miracles also in, in your life. Every day, something manifests. You learn something. God shows you something. It keeps you excited. It keeps your faith lively. So you keep wanting to do want to follow these step-by-step -step process in the treasure hunt that God has put you on, okay? Also, if he told us where the whole treasure is without the treasure hunt, he, we wouldn't get sanctified daily through that. And that's another very important thing that you need to keep in mind, okay? As you walk with him daily, step-by-step, there's a tremendous sanctifying power in our daily dependence on Christ for every step we make on our path to purpose. So that's the second thing, but second key, okay? The third thing I want to address, and this is, this is really, really important, and this, is, is, this blew my mind when I learned it, but it's really how God operates. If he told us where the whole treasure is without the treasure hunt, the devil would try to beat us to it, to sabotage us getting to that final destination. There is a reason why God keeps us on a day-to-day, step-by-step process treasure hunt and doesn't give us the full thing because then the devil might sweep in and try to intercept 
the treasure the, on your path to purpose that would lead you to your ultimate fulfillment of your purpose. Okay, I'm going to give you an example. We know that we carry the Holy Ghost in, in us, and we know that Jesus is, we basically have the same spirit in us that Jesus had when he was on earth, okay? And here's how Jesus did things, okay? You ever wonder why God shows up to the last minute? You know, you're praying for something. You need something to happen. Ever wonder why God shows up at the very last minute? And it's like I said, he shows up at the very last minute, giving you that, that ball, the, the pass, that short pass to get to where you're going, to make sure the devil doesn't intercept a long pass. You, know, you guys are, you're Americans, you watch football. The longer the pass, the more the chance you'll get it intercepted. Short passes might not make the, the same length of progress, but they're less risky. So they, they keep you going forward and shorter way but you don't get those interceptions so that's the same god plays football the same that same way <laughs> he rarely goes for that long pass because he doesn't want the devil to intercept okay in his earthly ministry jesus kept the devil two steps behind the whole time and and that's something we don't hear enough about and i don't want to take too much time here we have are we, yeah we're reaching the 15 minutes I'm, I'm gonna try to wrap this up okay but I, I really want to make that point because I think it's so important. During his earthly ministry, Jesus was ahead of the devil every step of the way. Um, he, he knew his purpose. He knew he was there to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. And during the, that process, later on, he started telling his disciples, look, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests over there. And I'm going to be put to death. And I'm going to rise three days later. So he gave them a, a pretty huge chunk of revelation there, but they never really caught on what was the whole thing there. Because you know what? It doesn't say in the, in the New Testament, there's nowhere where Jesus said what that was going to accomplish exactly. Mm -hmm. We know that's what he's supposed to do. He tells the disciples, that's what I'm going to do. But the dynamics of what exactly that's going to accomplish and the whole scope of that is kept hidden for a purpose. And here's one thing, okay? In Luke chapter 22, verses 3 to 6, we read this very interesting account. It says, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guards and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Now, here's a question that I've always wondered about, okay? If Satan had known what the death and resurrection was to accomplish, do you really think he would have accelerated that process? Because the devil, when he entered Judas to get Jesus condemned and put to death, was playing right into God's hand the whole time. You know when I said two steps ahead? That's Jesus. That's what, the, it was whole part of the plan. He even said in another place, I think it's in John, he says, have I not chosen you, the 12, and one of you is a demon? It's all part of the plan. He chose Judas on purpose. There was, it was all part of the plan. So when Satan entered, entered Judas to do this whole getting Jesus killed thing, he played right into the hand of God and he was two steps behind, okay? And guess what? The Holy Ghost lives within you. If you're a believer and you're sealed with the Holy Ghost, he lives within you. That's the same spirit 
who was in Jesus. And now let me ask you a question. Is he going to change a winning recipe? He's not going to change a winning recipe. He wants to keep the devil two steps behind still to this day. So in your life, on your path to your purpose, he's going to do that. He's going to keep the devil two steps behind. And the way he does that is to light your path one step at a time, keeping you in that connection with him in that daily leading where he leads from step to step to glory to glory, from revelation to revelation into your purpose okay he doesn't give you the long pass he gives you short passes short passes because he knows they won't get intercepted last minute passes oh uh, it's just one minute before midnight we're stressed out of our wits we prayed for that thing and all of a sudden boom it shows up there's a reason for it okay it's because god wants to make sure that the devil doesn't beat you to it so here i'm going to finish with this passage here i don't want to over, go overboard in time uh we read in romans Chapter 8, verses 11 to 16 in the New Living Translation. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. So we're not living by, by the flesh or by, by, by our sinful nature anymore. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Remember, uh, verse 14 is super important. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearless slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father, which is an endearing term. Abba is an endearing term. It's like calling God Daddy. And we're talking about the kids doing the, the treasure hunt. It, what happens during that treasure hunt when we get them engaged? Guess what? They always look to us. They have that note in their hand. They look to us. They read the note. Okay, you will find your next clue under what gives light to the living room. So now I can think, that's, that's, that's cryptic. Well, the Holy Ghost works cryptically as well to keep us engaged, looking to Him, seeking that answer. What did you mean by that, God? Like when I had that dream of the treasure opening up and hearing God say to me, are you all in? I'm like, wasn't I all in already? What are you, what are you trying to mean? So that kept me engaged with God. I'm like, Lord. What do you mean? So I sought him. Same way the kids look at the paper. The, the, the thing that gives light to the living room. What, what is that? And we just look and smile. The Holy Ghost often just looks at us back and smiles. And he waits because he knows we're going to figure it out. Anyway, I, I, so I, I'm finishing with a question here. How do you think the Holy Ghost keeps the devil two steps behind in your life? By revealing your next step and not the whole purpose. On the path to purpose, it's a step-by-step -step process. And God is more interested in the process than in the final destination. Because he knows that through that process, you're going to accomplish a lot more than if he just gave you the final destination right away. Yeah, And I want to add to this, there's, a, there's power also in... Um, you know, when you start your journey, you don't even realize because you're like, oh, I, I just want to know my purpose. I just want to do everything for you, God. And you don't realize that you're like a little baby in diapers yeah. and that you don't know what he's, he's 
um, prepared you for because you're thinking it's going to be this and it's this. So he has to prepare you and there's different seasons in your life where you go through things and you're not sure why you're going through a certain thing and it's all preparation. It's all to, to yeah. prepare you to um, learn skills, to learn different things, to have revelations, to different things that he knows that if you didn't go through those things, you wouldn't see the, the treasure, the little golden nuggets that he's trying to show you and the path yeah. that he's trying to lead you to. So there's a lot of things that we went through that we only saw years later. Oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, I needed to learn this and I needed to learn that. Oh, look, I was really stubborn then. Look, he had to make me go through this and I, I finally understood that. And, you know, there's, a, there's different seasons in our lives that he's preparing us for a bigger mission. So he can't just, you know, uh, all the time, like, just give you the, the end goal either for that reason because you're not ready. There, there would be too much pressure. It would be just too hard for you. Even if you think you're ready, sometimes we're just not ready for and, that. And just to add to that, God showed me my purpose when I was in my early 20s. He showed me that I was to become a Bible teacher, an author in my early 20s. But I didn't embrace my purpose until I hit about 40 years of age. For all kinds of mindset problems, understanding uh, that I needed to go through. I needed to go through that. I don't know what it would have looked like if I embraced it at a young age when he showed it to me in my early 20s. Uh, and, and Liz often reminds me of that because sometimes I have regrets and I'm like, I could have accomplished so much more. I could have written more books. I could have done so much more if I had done it early instead of wait, you know, wasting 20 years of my life just aimlessly you know, not doing anything for the kingdom. But Liz keeps reminding me, no, you needed to go through that because it made you who you are and it enables you to bring to the table what only you can bring now. So it's all part of the process. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that's, that... That's awesome. A lot of we, we, we got to move on. This is really good, but we definitely we got to move on because I got to give Crystal time to, to share as well. But that that's incredible. One of the a few things, a few nuggets that um, I took out of what you were saying was the fact that you had to go on a journey that, you know, there were many different steps and stages to your journey. And even when you felt that possibly you were failing in something, God was just setting you up for the next step in your journey. And that's phenomenal. I think so many people think that, okay, I got this all together. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And then when something, an obstacle or something appears, then they feel like, oh, I missed it or I messed up. But it was all, as you just said, it was all part of the process. We have to understand that in our steps and on our path, there is a process. I posted something the other day, and I'm, I'm going to turn it over to Crystal, but I posted that setbacks are sometimes God's set up for your next step up. Yes. And that's the I truth. <laughs> it's, it is so true. It is so true. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing. There was great, great nuggets in that. So I want to give Crystal an opportunity now um, to share, and I'm trying to figure out how to get her as a host. Here we go. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, that was awesome, awesome, awesome. I know that Crystal, oh, you're on the other one. Okay, <laughs> you got two screens, though. I had to figure out which 
<laughs> I want to make you postpone. I got it. I got it. Anyway, so thank you so much, Richard and Sebastian. And after Crystal shares, I will give the participants opportunity to ask questions if they have questions of you. But I want to go now to um, allow Crystal her time. So Crystal, you are now the host and you can take it from here. Awesome. Thank you. That was awesome. Uh, our our, our um, presentations actually are very very similar, and um, and I'm gonna I'll share a little bit of some of the nuggets that you shared how they influenced me. Uh, one, I'm, I'm a, a huge John Maxwell fan, also, and learned a lot from him. <laughs> I actually uh, took his certification program about leadership, and what I want to do is kind of bring together. Um, elements of leadership and how they serve you on your path to purpose. And I want to position from the fact that uh, we are all leaders. When you think about the root word to lead, we actually are all leaders. We are, we're a guide. We're, we're, um, we go first. Uh, we position um, in, in a way that others want to follow. And it doesn't matter what position or title you have, what's important is that you understand how you will be stretched as a leader as it relates to your path to purpose. Some of the things that, that uh, Elizabeth and Sebastian shared, one is he talked about the long pass and things being short and God not giving you that whole vision. One of the things that I had to learn in this evolution that I'm in is that um, it's none of my business how I get there. It's God's business. And what is my business is to trust him. When he tells me to step, to trust him to that it's going to be okay, to be on that faith walk. And so that is what I had to get very, very comfortable with. And so I want to talk a little bit about this whole evolution to serving leadership or to being a servant leader. And so in that evolution, um, and getting to the path to purpose, one of the very first things that I had to do was I had to understand that God created me uniquely and authentically made. What does that mean? That meant that I needed to have a better understanding of who I am because he made me. I'm not perfect. I don't do everything right. But the passions that he instilled in me, the motivations that he instilled in me, how I naturally show up, the gifts that he put inside of me, those are all of the things that help you to figure out what your, what your purpose is. So if you, to start, you know, when I started down this path of trying to think about what's my purpose, I struggled because I tried to make it this big monstrous thing when really all I had to do was look within. How do I show up for people? When I think about my friends, what do, what do they always come to me for? When I think about how I work with people or in relationships, how do I show up? What brings me joy and passion in my work, in my family life, in my with my friends, when I'm in servitude to, to others, and if I'm, if I'm volunteering? So all of those things make us who we are. And that helped me to discover that my path, my, my uh, purpose, was that I wanted to help people. Now that's a really broad statement, right? You wanna help people. 
there's a lot of ways to help people. And sometimes you can be a crutch to people, which is not necessarily helping people. So I had to do a lot of work to figure out how exactly I wanted to help people. And I, I started out saying that I believe that everyone is a leader. Somebody's listening to you, somebody's watching you, somebody's following you, even if, if it's your grandchild, right? Somebody, you're leading someone whether you know it and are intentional about it or whether you're just, uh, or, or it's just happening. So a couple of ways that I started, that I started down this path um, of discovery was, one, again, accepting and acknowledging that God created. Two, increasing my prayer life so that I could hear, really, really hear the steps in the direction that he was providing me. Sometimes I felt like I couldn't hear at all. Sometimes I, you know, I, I would hear and I would question, is that really what you want me to do? And then sometimes it would be crystal clear. I would get a crystal clear vision and know exactly what, what I was supposed to do. But I said all that to say is that in this evolution, you're going to be very uncomfortable. All right, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about expectations and the stretches in, in a minute. But before I get there, I had to uh, evaluate who I was. I took a lot of assessments, a lot of assessments just to tell me in a, in, in, um, in a way that I could be comfortable with being authentically me, who I am. And then to become unapologetic about that. So that might be some tools that you can use, take assessments to tell you, to help you get very, very clear on who you are. And what I found when I, under, when I thought about my passions, my motivations, the gifts that I have, how I show up for people, and the, the, um, the uh, information that I was getting back from these assessments, I realized how connected they were. I also recognized how in the past when I experienced frustrations, why I experienced those frustrations. And those frustrations every single time came about when I was um, operating outside of who I was, trying to be something different, trying to be something that I was not. So everything started to get very, very, very clear for me. And I could begin to see and envision where I wanted to be and then make sure that I was in prayer and making sure that I was in alignment with what God wanted me to be. The second thing I did was I had to start with why. All right, so you want to help people. Why? So I started to align with my values. Not only who I was, but what's, what do I value? What's important to me? Um, and then that connected with my vision. So as I'm going down this path, going down this journey to serve in, leader, to serve in leadership, I'm starting to make these connections with who I am, how I show up, what my values are, the visions at, that God was starting to give me, and how, those, how I could expand on those. And then my purpose started to be become very, very clear for me. But that didn't happen without a lot of stretching, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of pain, a lot of questioning, a lot of doubt. But what I want to encourage you with is when you're experiencing all of that, is that you um, rely on the promises of God. Always stay connected in scripture with what God was able to do and the scriptures where he promises to do the same for you. And also 
how he will never leave you. So even as you're being stretched, being pulled, you're going to want to go back. You're going to want to revert back to old habits. But just remember that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He's taking you in that direction for a reason, which you may not understand. And that's when I go back to saying, how I get there is none of my business. Do I trust him? And he'll say, do you trust me? And I'll say, yes, Lord, I trust you. And then he will test me. Okay, so you have to understand those things. So that's a little bit about just, you know, um, uh, starting out on the path. Where I've arrived to is uh, I've been in business for myself for five years, consulting and coaching uh, leaders and helping them in their businesses to grow, um, helping them to develop their skills as leaders, to become coaches. Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to also tell you about a resource. So I don't know if you can see this on the other screen or on the gallery, but uh, Simon Sinek, wrote a book called Start With Why. And then he also wrote this book, Leaders Eat Last. And it just helps you make a connection with, as you're on this journey or this path to lead, to lead in your life, um, all of the things that you will experience, but also it will encourage you why you go first. I tell people all the time as a leader, when you go first, a lot of times you're in a lonely space because if other people had already been there, they'd be right there alongside of you. Okay, so so those are some of the types of things that you need to expect on this pathway or, uh, to your to discovering your purpose and leading through that. So I want to just jump in and, and end my time real quickly with just revisiting the characteristics of a servant leader. Right. And these are things that I, I um, became very intentional about developing. So one listening. Right. Active hearing leaders try to understand what the sender is feeling and what the message means. Active listening means that you're not trying to listen in a, in a way that will prepare you for a retort, all right? And then there's a quote at the bottom, the best leaders are proactive, strategic, and, intent and intuitive listeners. The best leaders possess the uncanny ability to understand what is not said, witnessed, or heard. When you're developing relationship with people, there are lots of ways that people communicate. Body language, uh, nonverbal communication, even words that may be um, words that will deflect or defer. So as you're, as you're thinking about this and you're listening not only to um, when you're in conversation with others, listen to yourself. Trust your gut, right? And then seek the clarity within what God is telling you, uh, what people are saying to you, what people say about you as you discover who you are uh, and how you show up for others. The second one is increasing your ability to empathize. And empathy uh, defined is the feeling that you understand and share another person's experiences and emotions. The ability to share someone else's feelings. And so what for me, as a, a, a coach to others, I'm always trying to make sure that I'm in that position with, with them. So when Elizabeth was telling that story about having that nightmare and waking up, you know, having a complete 360 in the direction of her life that God was taking them, I was right there with her. 
I was like, oh my God, I can imagine how confused she must have felt. You know, we've sold our home. Now we are, you know, our children are in flux. Now we've got to go to family for help. I, I was right there with her because I was listening and one, I could empathize and I could just imagine how I would feel in those instances. The next one is awareness. Awareness um, is a huge, huge uh, characteristic that I, I want to stress that's important when you're on this, on this journey or on this path. And I like to think about um, awareness, um, you know, not so much from this grandiose position of having a spiritual awakening, but just being present, starting with being present. Uh, I can remember several, several years ago, over 10 years uh, ago, I was dating a guy and we were riding along the countryside. And I was just kind of, you know, in my own space, not really paying attention. And he would always point things out, like, did you see that bird? Or, oh, did you see the sun? How the sun was, uh, or the, 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 uh, the sun was reflecting in the sky. He would pay attention to little things like that, the beauty of, 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 of nature and all of those things. And I thought, you know what? We've been riding for three hours and I've not paid attention to anything like that. And I realized that I had to increase my ability to be present in the moment. So I was in the car with him but I wasn't having the same experience with him. So awareness is one of those things that when it comes to, to leading and leading yourself and leading others, that is very, very important. Um, you know, so you have that ability to be aware of things that are going on. The other one is persuasion. So as a servant leader, we have to think about um, our ability to persuade others to be their very best. And so I work on persuading, and that's what I hope I'm doing here for you, is persuading you to be all that God wants you to be. To take the journey, to understand that you will have some hiccups, to understand that you are uniquely made and created by God, but not in a way that I need to manipulate you. I'm not here to take anything from you. I'm only here to give to you. And so that's another characteristic that I learned in terms of, of being, a, being a, if I want to help people and help them move forward and help them be the very best that they can, then I have to understand that I'm in a position where I want to influence them, but I also need to learn how to persuade them in a way that's trusting, that's endearing, and that's not manipulative. The next one is conceptualization. This one is huge when you're on a pathway or a journey to somewhere new. Again, I told you it can be a very, very lonely space because you haven't been there. So when you're conceptualizing and creating visions about new things, you have to understand, you have to be able to, to, to stretch your way of thinking. Um, Elizabeth and, and Sebastian talk a lot about mindset, right? So you have to allow your mind to go in these new places, even if you haven't been there or experienced it before. And again, going back to it's not our job to understand how we'll get there. It's our job to pray for and ask the right questions. Okay, God, I see where, you're, where, where you say you want me to go. I don't, I ain't never been there. I don't know how I'm supposed to get there, but I'm going to trust that you're going to bring the resources to me 
to help me, to help take me there. I'm going to trust that you're going to remove roadblocks and obstacles to help me get there. Yes, it might not be a smooth walk, but the first step is that you're able to conceptualize because if you're not, you're going to reject that way of thinking. Oh no, that can't even be possible. Nobody's doing that. Surely you don't want me to do that. I was sharing with, uh, I think I was sharing with you, Colette, about this amazing sermon that I heard. And it was about the story of Noah. Now I've heard sermons on Noah a gazillion times. But this particular time, I had on my empathy hat. And God gave Noah very, very exact dimensions materials to go get, how many animals of each kind to bring on board, who in his family was going to get to go and who wasn't, all the cousins them, y'all can't come, okay? But all of these years, Noah was building this ark and it was dread, not a speck of rain. Can you empathize with what Noah must have been going through how his neighbors was calling him crazy, how his family members was calling him crazy, talking about him, how his wife had to probably deal with, Lord, my husband has gone crazy. Oh, this man gonna drive me crazy. He's out here every day. All he wants to do is work on this art. So when God gives you these visions, understand that sometimes people are not going to get it but he found you special enough to give it to you. Stand in his promises and walk with him. And this comes also with foresight, right? So when he gives you this, this uh, the mindset to conceptualize new things, he will also give you the foresight so that you will see some bumps coming on the road. He'll protect you, right? He's not promising you a smooth road, but he'll give you the foresight right? And also, this is where you can reflect on, Colette mentioned this at the very beginning of her talk about all of the things that she went through in life before she uh, got on her path or her journey with the Lord. But all of those lessons that she learned from those life experiences prepare her for where she is now and where God's trying to take her. And it also serves as a way for her to help others through that and to be able to see you can get past all of that. You may see me now, but you didn't see me then. My then person never would have imagined my now person. Okay? So foresight. And I think this is my last, nope, two more. All right, and then stewardship. All right, so uh, we've all heard of, uh, of stewardship from a biblical perspective. So if you want to help people, you have to get a very, very strong sense of what that means specifically for you, how you show up, what gift you specifically bring to stewardship, and serving others. All right, and again, it's, it's, it's about accepting the responsibility for preparing for preparing uh, the organization or for preparing people that you're working with for the destiny of where they're they're going. All right. When we describe leaders, describe a leader as having a strong sense of stewardship, we refer to a desire to prepare the organization to contribute to the greater good of society. 
Great. And then the last one just talks about growing leaders. So what serving leaders do is we uh, are like magnets. And no matter whether it, we're in, again, a, a position of title or not, we're, we're a magnet to the people who are drawn to us. And it's our responsibility as a serving leader to focus on fostering that relationship on a deeper connection with that person. And in whatever way you connect with them, how you are supposed to lead them. And again, all of these things, all of these characteristics of servant leadership have greatly helped me on this still evolution that I have in discovering in my business and outside of my business, how I'm supposed to help people move forward. And also it helps me understand when I am, when I have a stronger desire for someone to be to be where I see them, but they're not yet not yet there, how I can still nurture and support them, right? And that goes back to this thing about persuasion versus manipulation. Uh, we could all manipulate people to do the things that we want to do. So I want to end with just kind of bringing this all back full circle. One, in order for you to discover your true passion, uh, your true purpose, I'm sorry, for what God has for you, you have to accept that you are uniquely made and created by God. Who you are and how you show up, all the things that you've been through in life are for a reason for you to, to, to discover how you're supposed to move forward. Be okay with being who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but then be committed to stretch to stretch, to grow, to learn, right? So you learn on, you learn how to move forward. Now, I personally am a huge fan of strength finders. I don't care to work on all of my weaknesses. It brings me down. But what I've learned how to do is not make excuses for getting better in my weaknesses, but as it relates to moving forward and how God wants me to move forward, I find people who are strong in the areas where I'm weak. And we work together. Because I don't have to be all things to all people. Okay? When I operate in who I am authentically, when I operate in... in um, in the areas where I'm motivated, in the areas where I'm passionate, I'm happy, I'm fulfilled. And I can't remember who, who said it earlier when they were talking about, um, the, I'm gonna paraphrase, but basically uh, living and not existing. I can do that because I'm operating in who I am and who God created me to be, but still challenging myself to grow and learn more. Connect with your values. Connect with, what, with, with your values, connect with your why, because when you are stretched, when you are afraid, when you're uncertain, your why will give you the strength to continue to move forward. Remember to trust in God. You won't have the full, full roadmap. You know, um, he may tell you to go down uh, Route 66 and then turn you off onto another small highway that uh, is dark and uh, only has two lanes. But just trust him and remember that he might be taking you on that detour because there was a big accident that, you, that he wanted you to avoid on Route 66. And then to remember to develop the characteristics of what it means to lead, to lead yourself and to lead others in a way that's truly uh, presenting, <clears throat> excuse me, presented from a, from a position of serving others. 
and you will be so fulfilled and get much more clarity and clear on what your purpose is in life. So I hope this has been helpful. I'm sorry, I had to unmute. That was phenomenal. <laughs> that was phenomenal. This has just been such a wonderful time of, of just sharing and growing. I, I thank you all so very much because I've, I'm walking away better and enriched. And I just wanted to open up if we have any questions. Um, you can unmute un um, your mic if you want to ask a question, or you can type it in the, the panel. I know our time is, is short here. We've got about 10 minutes left uh, on the webinar, but if you have any questions, please feel free to ask at this time from either um, Elizabeth or Sebastian or Crystal or myself. Sherry, it looks like she's talking, but she's on mute. Um, or maybe not. There you go, Sherry. You're unmuted. Did you? Were you asking something? Uh, yeah, I was just hi. I was thanking everybody for your uh, beautiful uh, presentation. I loved and got everything. I mean, a lot of nuggets from everyone. I was just wanting to know the leaders eat last. She said that was a book. Um, who was? Oh yes. Leaders Eat Last is by Simon Sinek, and then his first book, which was a bestseller, was Start With Why. Crystal, repeat the author's name. Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. Great. I'll share Sherry, you're, you're muted again. <laughs> Hold on. I think you're muted from your side because I'm trying to unmute you, but it, there you go. Now you're unmuted. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I've written two little, many, many, many books years, years, and years ago. Um, and I know that you all are authors and I don't know. I'm I'm in a place right now where this book I've been working on has been for the last two years, and it's a big baby. I feel like it's one of the biggest babies I've ever had to deliver, and it, it's I feel like it's a live instrument. And as much as I preach and believe on not fearing and don't having any fear, man, I just feel like this is gonna be um, one of those babies that either you're gonna love it or hate it. And I don't know. I'm just want to make sure that I'm in the path and I'm thinking okay I'll release it in one more year I need one more year God um, but another person did ask me well I think that maybe the book is written already you just you know you'll never be able to say everything you want to say I guess my question is how did you know when to release it like even though you have all these books do you feel like you should have added more at any time <laughs> I, I can answer that <laughs> Um, right now I'm kind of in the same situation that you're in so I'm writing this book and my wife keeps telling me what are you waiting for what are you waiting for I said it's it's not it's not ready there's a reason and sometimes there's a reason in the process of writing your book why it's not ready uh, sometimes it's because you still need to 
to learn something that's going to be valuable to put in the book and you're you're just not there yet i mean susan kane when she wrote her her best-selling uh, book quiet uh for the book for introverts took her seven years to write and compile the book seven years so that's a long time uh i didn't imagine i would be in that kind of predicament myself because when i wrote my first book lead like a superhero it took me eight months and it just flowed out of me it went well i didn't have any major problems and it just like everything was well done easily boom 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 and and it just came out of me real fast this one however it's, it's posing more of a problem and uh, sometimes you gotta you gotta accept it that if you're not ready to release it you have to ask yourself the question is it because of fear and and elizabeth here oftentimes says that i'm scared I, i'm not scared i just i just know it's not ready and i'm not so i have to i still have to work it until i'm ready to let that baby go like you called it. it's a baby right so you want to let that baby loose into the world knowing full well that at the time you release it this is the best of you in the number of pages that you're letting go into the world because if you're not satisfied with it there's a, there's a reason so you need to go back to the drawing board and make sure that when you do release it you have that sense of satisfaction that sense of hey it, it's good now i feel comfortable with what i'm giving the world and and you know what being an author the, the part that kind of sucks is you keep growing i'm in personal growth i'm in spiritual growth and i'm always growing so when i look back on the book i wrote Lee like super I, I there's so much stuff that i wish i would have written at the time or written differently and but it's it's gone now I, I i released it at the time with the best of who i was and you have to do that with the book you're doing now release it with the best of who you are thank you Okay, Sherry, I would I would also offer because uh, I'm I'm in the same boat. Uh, I would also offer that you um, um, I can't remember who mentioned it before, but pray to God to ask the right and ask the right questions um, about the book. Maybe it's um, it's a series, and you know you've got two series already documented, and you know you you feel like you are waiting on the third part, and God's like, well, I gave you the two. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> so just be be in prayer about that, and and uh, and you know if it's if it's something that you're not clear about in terms of of you know even why you're um, holding up or procrastinating, pray about that. But then also pray, you know, if it's fear, what am I afraid of, and address those things. Uh, another question, Cherry. I'm gonna add to what. Crystal just said another question is purpose of the book. You know, what is God working through you in the process of you writing the book? You know, um, I've written two and a half, <laughs> almost three. My last one, my first two, I was like Sebastian. It was just like boom, boom, boom. And it was like done. And it was great. My last one was a book over on my life. And I started it in 2008. Okay, and was still writing it this year, got to where I finally felt I had one chapter to go. I was like right there after all of this time. And it wasn't like a constant, it was like you pick it up, you know, you write more, you put it down and whatever. One chapter to go and I lost my hard drive with the book on it. Ah. 
And yep. so, exactly, exactly. And the last time that I had sent it to someone to help me with revisions was 10, 10 chapters ago, okay? So the first 17 chapters I can, can pull up and go forward if I needed to do that, but that was two years and 10 chapters ago, and it's just like, I was for crystal nose. Yeah. <laughs> she walked through that with me. It was just like, oh, I can't believe this. I absolutely can't believe this. But I had to ask God, okay, God, really, what was the purpose in this? Okay, because how do I get right here? Okay. okay, and I'm ready. And now I'm ready to say, exhale and say I'm done, and I don't have it. I, I just, you know, but what it was over these years was a healing process. The name of the book was Not Shocks of My Life. So to walk through these different time periods and different things that happened, and he would strategically have me unload these different thoughts and memories at specific times to do inner healing within myself. So, you know, it's just like, ask God, Lord, really, what's the purpose of the book? You've got me writing it. What's the purpose? If in that, then you'll get clarity on releasing. Sorry, I want to add two things. Um, John Maxwell, um, you know, has a habit of compiling quotes and he com compiles every day. He writes quotes and Bible verses and he compiles those things. And he had like, a, I think it was uh, anyway, like a, a big quantity of these quotes and everything. And he said, I'm going to get rid of them. They're going to, I'm going to completely throw them in the garbage and it's going to be done. And the, the president of the John Maxwell team said, are you crazy? Like, why would you do that? Like, we can make books out of this. We can, like, he was just, like, going nuts. He says, and he says, no. He says, I, I'm starting a new chapter. He felt, it's like he felt that there was something new. He had to bring new stuff to the table. And I think, you know, when you write a book because of a, a healing process and because you need to go through that, it, it, you know, I believe it. everything happens for a reason. So if the book is gone, probably now you need to rewrite it with the new perspective of the person you become now. And, um, and I think there's a lot of power in that because we change, like Sebastian said, we grow, we change spiritually and your perspective and your, what you're going to offer and the way you saw things and the insights are going to change, um, you know, over time. So, the other thing I would also add is in my business, I've always, whenever I fear anything, whether it was doing live videos, whether it was uh, writing stuff, writing content, bringing new content, new ideas, I always ask myself, is this going to serve my audience? Is this going to add value to them? Because sometimes we're so busy focused on what are people going to think of me or Oh, us, you know, like in a book, oh, I'm so raw, I'm so like open, not everything's out there, everybody can read my story. And we're too focused on us, and we're not focused enough on the person's life that's going to change because they read your story. So sometimes we hold on to stuff just because we're too focused on us and not enough on how many people, you know, I, I heard Miles Monroe say, uh, he was being interviewed, he asked the person, how many books they had written. I think the person had written like two books and he says, he says, you, you have to get it out there. He, written, he wrote, I forget the number, a crazy, crazy amount of, bo uh, of books. And he was like, 
your life, your purpose is to get it out there, to get everything that God is using you, that he's giving you as messages, propel it, get it out there. People need to hear it. So when you have that mindset of adding value and saying, whose life am I going to change with this book? You're going to want to get it out there. Absolutely. Any other question? Okay. Well, we're right at that time. We're going to wrap it up. Again, thank you so much for sharing. This has been phenomenal. And just know that everybody that registered, I am going to send out the replay because there was so many nuggets in this. You have to sit and listen to it again to make sure that you can extract all the different things out of it that God is saying to you in the midst of it. So with that being said, we're going to conclude our webinar for this morning. So thank you. Thank you all for joining in and just have an awesome day in the Lord. So that concludes the Path to Purpose webinar. I hope you'll share it with other believers. I know there's so many people out there that need to hear this message. I think that every every speaker um, added so much value in this webinar and gave different insights. And it's going to truly, truly bless a lot of people. And I commend you uh, for listening to this webinar till the end. You know, there are so many Christians out there unfortunately, that will die without knowing their purpose because they never embarked on the journey to finding their purpose. And so this is really, really key for a lot of Christians that are struggling, a lot of Christians that are depressed, a lot of Christians that don't know what they're supposed to do with their lives and they know that they're meant for more, but they have no clue where to begin. So be sure to share this webinar to impact other people's lives, other believers that you know will be blessed by it. And um, I really hope that you understood um, these nuggets. There's a lot of insight in this. You might want to go back and take some notes. And uh, feel free to write to us. If you have questions, uh, you can write in the show notes. Um, if you go to thrivingonpurpose.com on this episode, you'll see um, there's a section to put in some comments that we read regularly. You can also reach us through our website and uh, Thriving on Purpose. Uh, I think it's called facebook.com slash thriving purpose. You can message us directly. We'll be glad to answer your questions. So be blessed and thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 